This is the Comstock Report Podcast. We are strong advocates for the American family farm and your top source for the agriculture markets. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Comstock Channel. I'm Marlon Bowling with you, and pleased to have you join us today as we analyze Friday's market action and as we head into the weekend. And if you would, be sure to like and subscribe and share this video if you would like to spread the word about what we're doing here. We're going to be analyzing the end of the marketing week with a little help from Eric Relf of Comstock. He joins us right now. Eric, that was quite an adventure as we wrapped up the week. Uh, the headline story from what I could gather all week long, or at least on Friday to wrap up the week, was news about wheat. And it wasn't yeah. necessarily a bullish news item either. Tell me about that. Yeah, no, it was uh, announced this morning that uh, China has approved some Argentine companies for uh, importing their wheat into China. And this has been something, this this Chinese wheat demand has been something we've been talking about quite a bit because they had such a poor crop. What they did make had quality issues. And so there was a lot of, of chatter about them shopping U.S. origin wheat. And we did see some sales along the way uh, in that regard as well. But there was still additional buying expected. We never did see those announcements come. And now we get this announcement that China has okayed Argentine wheat to be imported. And I wonder if that wasn't uh, kind of on a back burner and they were trying to get it moved ahead before they committed to buying some of these U.S. Uh, grains. And so, you know, I think this is something that's probably been in the works for a while, but getting that final stamp of approval in a year where Argentina is actually making decent crops uh, didn't didn't bode well for the wheat market today. And we've had a nice little rally in the wheat. So we were due probably for a little technical setback anyway. And here we are. Well, last time China bought a big bunch of U.S. wheat, it was soft red wheat. Correct. Now, what does Argentina mainly produce and how does that all tie in here? Yeah. So it's as far as milling purposes and everything, it's going to tie right in with the soft red wheat. Um, and so that's it, it, virtually interchangeable uh, with our SRW. So that was all they were buying here. And I think that's probably what they're trying to source there. So I, I, I still think if they need the higher protein, higher quality, they'll still be coming here. But that's mm -hmm. always been in lower quantity. Wouldn't that be more bearish for the Chicago exchange then, if that's the case? Absolutely. And, you know, going back to mm, really when Russia invaded Ukraine, wheat has been a leader for all grains. Uh, you'd see the wheat move, then the corn would kind of follow and the beans would maybe be the trailer. Of course, each has their own individualized story. You know, if you get a big weather event when it's the peak of corn development, that's going to impact the corn more. And then you get August weather, that's going to impact the beans more. So, there's there's variables there, but that's generally been the trend since, uh, what, two, almost three years ago now. So what's been the problem with the soybean trade here as we get toward the end of the week? It, it really kind of fell. Uh, it closed pretty much on the low of the day, didn't it, here on Friday? Yeah. Well, one thing that I wanted to share was these Buenos Aires grain exchange numbers that were released just yesterday. You know, going through Wednesday, we, we had kind of a good feeling. It, it felt like, okay, last week's lows were important. They were significant. We saw a nice bounce from there. Uh, we move higher all the way through Wednesday's trade. Thursday morning, we get these new numbers from the Buenos Aires grain exchange. And, you know, in the case of the soybeans, you look and they're going to produce you know, two and a half times what they did last year. Now, granted, they were at the on the third year of a three-year drought cycle last year, so it was just terrible. But nevertheless, that caught up a lot of attention. They they keep bumping these numbers as the season progresses. 
they're hot and dry right now. I don't know what long lasting impact they, that might have as long as they get a break here in the next 10 days where they do get a drink, uh, you know, that could kind of subdue some of that. But uh, really, that was the biggest trigger. And then you coupled that with really poor uh, weekly export sales announcements on soybeans. And and it was just a recipe for disaster Thursday and now into Friday. You know, I'm looking at a daily uh, corn market chart here on the March corn. Mm-hmm. And it looks like it's still close to dragging the bottom of the barrel. I mean, it, yeah. is there any way to pick that market up here anytime soon? I don't know what the catalyst is going to be, you know, and especially if, if wheat's going to weigh heavy. If if today was the beginning of a lower move in wheat, then corn's kind of doomed short term. And I, I hate to say that last week's lows are significant. So that 436 number in the front month is going to be a big deal. All of us being technicians and brokers, traders will be watching that mark. Um, that that's got to hold. If that doesn't hold, we're going to see stop running that. And, and who knows how low that could carry us, but really you don't have anything lined up until $4 at that point. And some analysts looking for a 390, 391. Uh, and I don't even like saying those numbers, but it, it's possible. Uh, especially if things we don't find some kind of trigger. And right now we've just got nothing. Well, and I know I had a chance to listen to a bunch of you on the, uh, uh Comstock team kind of doing a roundtable discussion about the markets. And um, it just, it sounds like maybe producers need to lower their sights a little bit on the upside when yeah. it comes to maybe setting their hedge points uh, for this year. What do you think about that? Yeah, hedge points or cash grain sales or a combination of both. I mean, there's there's just, $6 is behind us. There's, there's just no other way to say it. $6 is behind us. I think, you know, there's going to be shots to to maybe strategize and, and work your way up into the lower fives on, on some of this new crop. You might be able to to peck around with some good basis at five dollars on, on old crop that's still in the bin. You know, and, and that's one of the things we've been fighting is farmers are still holding a lot of grain and nobody wanted to sell at harvest and prices haven't improved. So they still don't want to sell it. But we're coming up on March 1st pretty quick. A lot of payments come due. Uh, cash rents come due. You know, they're going to need cash flow. And, and that may be the capitulation that, that drags us to a new low. And then we have something better to look forward to at that point. I hope we don't get there, but that, that possibility certainly exists. Have you gotten any indication at all from, uh, whoops, maybe uh, seed suppliers or, uh, uh, let's say, fertilizer dealers uh, as far as, what the intents are for crops this spring. In other words, can you tell if they're leaning more for gaining crop acreage or soybean acreage just based on the input side here? A little bit from the input side, a lot from ground prep that we saw. I mean, we had a fantastic fall and even early winter uh, throughout the Corn Belt. We just didn't have winter until a few weeks ago. And so when you look at the amount of groundwork being done, the amount of nitrogen going down, anhydrous getting drug around, it's it's plain to see that we are going to see a large number of corn acres again this year. I can't say that we're going to be bigger than last year or anything like that, but I would not be surprised to see another 92 number come out in those March planning intentions here in a, in a couple of months. And I, I just, that that's in talking to people and in seeing what's going on, on the ground and talking to some of these uh, input suppliers, it's just the feel that we're going to have another big number of corn acres and we're due for a trend line yield. I mean, we haven't had a trend line yield in years. 
Well, and, you know, earlier this week, if if our folks out there viewing want to go back and check it, I had a conversation with Chad Hart of Iowa State University, and we were talking about just that, the profitability this year and, yeah, and how that could have better. a domino effect on like rental values and, and uh, uh, land values for this coming year, right? Yeah. And, and corn just plain pencils better still. Uh, when you're looking at new crop prices, it does. And it, it's sad to say, but uh, you know, we, we've been trying to do some price enhancement strategies with new crop, um, just hoping, you know, you, you look at current prices, uh, you know, I think we finished at 476 or thereabouts in the December 24 corn. I don't have the chart in front of me, but, um, you know, you close there, you go out and look at some option strategies to enhance that number. And, and then you've got something that at least doesn't break the farm. You know, you might actually be breaking even or a little better. And if that's the worst you do this year, that might be a good deal. Uh, I want to transition here, if if we could, over to the livestock side. Yeah. And boy, that cattle market just kind of blew the doors off uh, later in the week. Uh, what's going on with that? And and have you changed your attitude long term on that? So my attitude long term has not changed. <laughs> my my attitude long term has been pretty well supported. But um, the, today. Uh, Today we were higher. Yesterday, blow off higher. Uh, I really suspected that with this being Friday and uh, with the kind of move that we had had for the week moving into today that we might see a little profit taking and, and sag a little bit today. But boy, we didn't. We just kept right on running. Now, we did come well off the highs. We might see a little bit of follow through profit taking to start next week. But the market is just euphoric right now. And, and I could point to a million different reasons. But the biggest ones that I'm seeing currently, uh, we saw no reaction to that storm that blizzard that moved through the heart of cattle country and just buried everything in Western Kansas. And, uh, it, it was, it was bad. I, I, I'm from that area. I had a lot of friends telling me that it's the worst they'd ever seen by a long ways. And so th that that's a big deal. And the market just didn't care. And so I think what we saw was a little bit of a delayed reaction to that. And I think maybe they were waiting to see what it did to carcass weights. And in one week we peeled $10 off of the car or $10. 10 pounds off of the average steer carcass weight. So, you know, you do that on 460,000 heads slaughtered in a week and your four and a half million pounds of beef are just gone because of that weather. Um, and, and that was just the first week of reporting on that topic. So I would expect to see a similar drop next week. So that was a big one. And then the Packers just had to get aggressive this week because they didn't move any cattle last week to speak of, uh, definitely not in the negotiated market. So this week they come out, they're getting a little bit of steady money on Wednesday. And, and we saw the, the amount of trade that we saw on Wednesday was a little higher than you would expect. And so I kind of thought maybe they'd get a little passionate on Thursday and they did. They actually came out $3 higher on Thursday than what they were paying on, on Wednesday. And so you've got 177 live, 277 dressed. Most of the, most of those were picked up prices in the Northern Plains. Um, you're, you're 174, 75, about $2 higher in the Southern Plains. So, uh, it was, it was a combination of, of the meat statistics due to the weather and just sheer aggression in the cash trade. You know, these feeder cattle producers, they ought to be feeling a little more secure uh, by the fact that the corn market just can't rally. Right. And, and here it is. It, it looks like it could be that way for quite a while. At least their feed needs probably will not increase too much here for a while. Sure. And, and, you know, the, a lot of the, the producers and backgrounders, um, that I deal with were penciling five to five and a quarter corn, uh, when they were trying to work out their, their budgets 
I, I think they can beat that significantly in most of their areas. Now, if you're fighting ethanol plants and, and large dairies or feed mills or whatever, you know, you're going to have pockets where that's difficult, but uh, they should be able to beat it by a fair amount. And, and, and now we have the stage set. Uh, I'm not saying that we're going to go make new highs, but we could sure challenge highs uh, after a little healthy correction and then, and then look for another rally here. Well, by the same token, the lean hog trade, it looks pretty aggressive right now. Absolutely. Yeah. It's been a stellar couple of weeks in the hogs as well, which has been very surprising. And the cash market's been a lot of that, you know, Uh, the cash has been pushing, the cutouts have been pushing and, and everything really has been, uh, remarkable considering where we were at just a, a month ago, you know, uh, I, I could see this thing running out of gas short term, but, but I do think we have a longer recovery, uh, as we kind of sort out the details of loose sow production and, and prop 12 compliance and those kinds of things. So, you know, I, I think once they kind of learn the, the A's and B's of it, then they kind of feel better about it. And, and I think that's what we've done. I think we've moved past the unknown and now we've figured out, okay, this is what we've got to do and this is how it's going to work. But Eric, it's been great to talk with you. I know we had a very busy week and we covered a lot of ground in this segment here. Uh, but I would like to offer up uh, a way to contact you because I know our viewers probably have a ton more questions than what I could come up with here. <laughs> and if they want to get in touch with you directly, how do they do that? And also, I want to remind everybody, that this is just kind of a general overview of the markets. They can also get more specific recommendations from Eric and the whole team at Comstock if they contact you and you can tell them how to do that too, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, subscribe to the report. That's uh, easy to go on our website at Comstock.com and do a, the first month for a dollar, uh, see what you think of it and then commit or not. And that'd be your choice. But uh, yeah, that's a definite good way to see what we're doing and what we're thinking. Uh, we collectively produce that report. So you'll, you'll get the opinions of, of, uh, several of us in, in that report. But as far as contacting me directly, you can call the office line at 712-227-1110, uh, or send an email to Eric R that's E R I C R at comstock.com. Eric, I sure appreciate it. One of the best. And I always like uh, talking with you about the markets. All right. I appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon. Eric Ralph of Comstock with us here. That'll do it for another edition. Hope you can join us next time. For producer Brianne Hendrickson, I'm Marlon Bowling. See you next time on the Comstock Channel. For a more complete version of the Comstock Report with hedging strategies and trade recommendations, subscribe on our website at Comstock.com or reach out to one of our risk management specialists about how we can help you protect your profits. Futures trading involves risk. The risk of loss in trading futures and or options is substantial, and each investor and or trader must consider whether this is a suitable investment. Past performance is not indicative of future results.